Hey, welcome to our carols service, our second carol service. Who was here last week and you enjoyed it so much you thought you'd come back? Fantastic. Hey, if you're here for the very first time, uh, as my wife Danielle's already said, a very big warm welcome. We're delighted to have you here with us tonight. And I'm just going to take a little while to, to bring a Christmas message and really to, for us to look a little bit behind the meaning of Christmas. Tonight I want to talk about the word Emmanuel and what it means. Emmanuel, God with us. Just so we'll get rolling into that in a minute. It's, it's that time of year where if you've got little kids, it's all about presents, writing uh, letters to Santa. Can you bring me this? I've seen actually some of our friends' kids have been writing some very impressive letters to Santa. Some are like, oh, I don't need much, but if you're, if you're going to do something, it's quite a big extensive list. Others I've heard of will pray to God. And I heard of one little boy. He's like, it was his birthday, just not, it was pretty close to Christmas, which is not good because you always get the double present. If you're a December baby, uh, my, my sympathies for you, you get the double present. But this little kid's like, God, I really want a bike for my birthday. I really want a bike. And his birthday comes and goes. He didn't get a bike. So it's coming to Christmas time. And he's like, okay, I'm going to pray again. God, I really want to... And then he's like, no, God didn't answer me last time. Why is he going to answer me this time? So he walks out of his room, walks into the lounge room, and there's a statue of Mary on the mantelpiece. Grabs the statue, wraps it in a blanket, puts it under his bed, and then he prays, God, if you ever want to see your mother again, you will give me a bicycle for Christmas 100%. 100%. So there's a tip for some of you, just to, to get what you want. Actually, I'm a big fan of dad jokes. I don't know how many, how many dads are in the house here today. I, I, I just, it's really the goal of every dad to make your kids groan. You haven't, really, you haven't really done your dadly duties until they're groaning. And apparently, there are Christmas and dad jokes that combine. Would you like a couple? I know you wouldn't, but I'm going to give them to you anyway. Uh, Santa Claus spent $80 on a belt that didn't fit. Mrs. Claus said it was a huge waste. Come on. You see what a huge... Okay, okay, here we go. Uh, I bought my wife a mannequin leg for Christmas. It wasn't her main present, just a stocking filler. Okay, okay, a bit of a groan there. I know I'm doing quite well. Okay, I'll leave you to research the rest for you, dads. The rest for you. All right. We're going to look at a Bible, a few Bible verses together right now as we just come into this message. This one's out of uh, the book of Matthew. Uh, the Bible has four guys, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they wrote four Gospels, all a, a reflection and a recording of the life of Jesus that all line up, but all part of their personality and their perspective of Jesus' life. So this is Matthew, and he writes, and he says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, they were engaged. Before they came together, ask your mom what that means later on, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to put her, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, "Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take your to, for, to take your Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her." is of the Holy Spirit. She will bring forth a son 
and you shall name, you shall call his name Jesus. It was the father's responsibility in Jewish tradition to name their child, and for he will save his people from their sins. The word, the name Jesus, literally means savior. So all this was this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, saying, "This behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name." Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Now, just, just to clear it up a little bit, because sometimes it's spelt with an I and sometimes it's spelt with an E. Uh, the reason it's spelt with an I is that's the Hebrew spelling of the Old Testament. The reason it's spelt with an E is the Greek spelling of the New Testament. So they're both right. If you go to Emmanuel Lutheran College, that's okay. If you sing Emmanuel with an E, that's okay as well. All right. Now, and it's from a prophecy. See, uh, about 700 years before, God was prodding prophets all throughout the Old Testament about this moment that was going to come on the calendar. Uh, this one was saying that one day a virgin would, re- would, have, would have a child and his name will be Emmanuel. Those other moments. There's actually more than 300 prophecies recorded throughout the Old Testament over a period of hundreds of years by all sorts of different prophets about the coming Messiah, the promised one of God, where he would be born, how he would be born, his family line, where he would be raised, the life that he would live, how he would die, even specifically the amount of coins that he would be sold for, how he would be betrayed, and how he would be raised from the dead. More than 300 prophecies. Now, the mathematical likelihood of more than 300 prophecies over hundreds of years Uh, being fulfilled in one person. Uh, Look, even if it was eight prophecies, it's one in 17 zeros. That's eight. More than 300, well, you get the picture. It's not a very good odds. It's, It's very unlikely unless it's a miracle. God with us, Emmanuel, his name will be called. This this is about the nature of Jesus. For many people at that point, God was out there. He was, he was watching us at a distance. He was, he was maybe to be met when you went to church. Maybe in, in creation, you'd get a, a sneak peek of what God was like. And in, in, before Jesus came, God would meet with people. Uh, he would choose, occasionally he'd choose a prophet to send a message on his behalf. But, but no one had a personal relationship with him. He was too holy and too distant. He could only be encountered once a year by a priest in a tabernacle or in a tent. But Christmas celebrates the day that all of that changed. When God went from being distant, remote, and unknowable, Christmas is the day when He became one of us. He came to be with us, Emmanuel, where God the Father sent His Son on the ultimate mission. Jesus Christ laid aside His divine rights and powers. He left behind the comfort and the privileges of heaven and He stepped out of eternity into time and space. In that moment, the one who had always been suddenly breathed His very first breath as a baby. The Creator of the world came to us as a baby. This day, Christmas Day that we celebrate had always been on God's calendar. From the beginning of time, He looked forward and He marked this specific day. A day where history would pivot on the life of the Son of God being born, AD and BD. And in fact, years, 2,000 years later, where millions of lives pivot 
what it was like before God and after I met Jesus Christ. Lives are still pivoting on that day of Jesus Christ. It was the day where one of the Godhood, Godhead would forever become a man. Divine in nature, but now it became an irreversible decision. He wouldn't become a man for a little while and then go back to being what he was. This moment of God stepping out of eternity into a human body was a, was a moment that was irreversible. Jesus Christ in that moment became one of us, a human being with a divine nature, but a human being. And now in eternity, here's the good news. One of us sits at the right hand of God, Jesus Christ. He knows what it's like to be human. I love the words of that song that we sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I think it was your favorite, Renee. I'm not sure why we didn't sing it, but I'm not sure. Veiled in flesh are the words. The Godhead see, veiled in flesh. Hail the incarnate deity. Incarnate means the one clothed with flesh to become like us. Please as man with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel, our God with us. And tonight I'd like to take a few moments for us to explore, to think about, to tackle this question of why God would become one of us, why God would leave the comfort of heaven to become like you and I. And I want to suggest that maybe there's a few reasons that he would do that. I've, I've picked three, there's many, but I've picked three that I'm going to talk about for the next few moments. The first is that he wanted to show us what God is really like. Jesus became one of us to show us what God is really like. Now, I've got three kids, uh, two of them particularly, and my oldest one, I tell him he's a lucky boy. He looks very much like me. When he was born, literally the moment I saw him when he was born, my, my first thought was, oh my God, he looks like me. That was my first thought. And ever since then, he's, he's had the privilege of these good looks. In fact, I went and worked, I went to a coffee shop where he, where he worked uh, for a little while ago and I visited him and they said to me, this is the, the greatest thing any, any guy in his mid-40s could hear, they said to me, you must be Jackson's brother. Like, yes, yes, yes. You're my new best friend. I know he looks similar, worst day for him, but great day for me. And Jesus came because he wanted to show us what God's really like because the Bible tells us and Jesus said these words, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father. Jesus said that, uh, the Bible says he was the visible image of the invisible God. God knows that you and I are taste and feel and see and sense people. We needed to experience God. So he sent Jesus. You see, religion does a terrible job of misrepresenting God. It always has and it always will. Religion represents or misrepresents God. They take little bits of truth, but we, what, what tends to happen is we twist them for our own advantage or for power or for all sorts of different things, and suddenly God is misrepresented to being only about rules. He's misrepresented to be uncaring and harsh, distant, unloving, unknowable that he's a divine killjoy, that he doesn't want the best for you, he's just happy when you're sad. And that's the misrepresentation of God and since the beginning of time and, and, and right through to this day, religion still misrepresents God. I can imagine God sitting in heaven on his throne and, and some religious people talking about how God's you know, trying to smite you and do this to you and God's just going, no, that's not me. 
That's not who I am. That's not the kind of person that I am. I want you to really know who I am. He sent prophets to tell us, but we didn't listen. They got stoned, not like by drugs, but by actual stones. <laughs> just to be clear. Oh, I won't go there. I could just I get distracted. They got killed. And then he said, well, there's only one way for people to really know what I'm like. This is our Father in heaven. And he sent his son, Jesus. And Jesus came and he was smiling. Jesus came and he was caring. He was loving. People who encountered Jesus left feeling seen. They left feeling noticed. They left feeling important because every one of them are important to God. Jesus came and he was powerful. And he used his power to help people, not hurt people. He used his power to heal people and to transform them. Jesus came and he was accepting of all different people from all different backgrounds, from all different walks of life, from people who who were being rejected by religion. Jesus accepted them. He empowered women. He he welcomed children. He, He welcomed the outcasts. He loved the unlovable and he reached out to those who looked like God would never visit them. And he came to show us what God's really like. You might have been told by some form of religion that God's just all about making you guilty. I want to tell you today, God's all about you being known and loved. He's all about a relationship with you. He's all about breaking down all of those barriers in our minds so that we could know Him, be loved by Him, and live life the way He intended you and I to live, a life of of purpose and passion and joy. That's the first reason He came, God with us, to show us what God is really like. The second reason He came is to save us from our sin. He came to save us from our sin. You know, when Jesus was born, I love this, that, that there was two groups of people that we sing about that were alerted to Jesus' birth. There was the shepherds. And, and they, we know this, that while the shepherds washed their socks by night, I mean, while shepherds watched their flocks by night, and, there, and angels appeared to them because heaven couldn't hold in this great moment, so angels appeared to them. Well, the shepherds were the lowest of the low. They were, they were, that was like the, they were the, the, working of, the working class of working class. And God appeared to them, but at the same time, He appeared to some kings, some magi. They were, they were the scientists of the day. They were the, the wisest men of the day, the wise men of the East. And they studied the sky. They, 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 they scripted the stars. They, they understood the universe as scientists. And one day, a star appeared that they couldn't explain. And they knew it was a sign that something special was happening. The king of the Jews was being born and they went to see the king of the Jews. I love it when our church is filled with all sorts of people from every walk of life, but we've got numbers of scientists here because they know that although they can understand science, there are still unexplainable things. And those unexplainable things just point us to God, the creator of the universe. And and so they bought gifts and those gifts were gold, frankincense and myrrh and each of them symbolic. Gold because Jesus was a king. Frankincense because it was, the langu- it was what priests used to connect with God and Jesus would connect us with God. And myrrh because it spoke of his death. I love the, the, the story, you know, they had the little infants do the plays at school, like the nativity scene. And one, one of these plays, the, the kids walked up and they're, they're like the wise men and they're all dressed up. And the first one's like, there's baby Jesus. They, ah, gold, it's gold, throws it at him. The next one comes up and he goes, ah, myrrh, myrrh. And the next kid comes up and he's forgotten his lines. 
And, you know, as a parent, if your kids forget the lines, how nervous that is. And, and eventually he's like, oh, Frank sent this. Threw it to him. That, that's Frank. Anyway, that's, that's true. I don't know if it's true, but it sounds good. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Myrrh. Here's the thing. When he was born, these kings understood that Jesus actually was born to die. It, would be, it was part of his divine calling. Why was he born to die? This is why. He was born to save us from our sin. The first reason he, Jesus became one of us was to show us what God's like. The next is to save us from our sin. It's our sin that separates us from God, the Bible says. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is going to come a moment one day where you and I are going to stand before God. There's going to be a, a, a screening of our life in heaven. An angel will walk us into a room, a big movie theater, and, and they'll say, this is what's about to happen. There's going to be two showings. The first one is your whole life, everything you've ever done, Everything you've ever said and everything you've ever thought is going to come up on that screen. I don't know about you, but I'm not really keen on that show. So the second showing is going to be when all your family and friends come into the room to watch everything you've ever done, everything you've ever said, everything you've ever thought. That scares me. I'm not keen on that because I know myself that I fall short of God's standard of holiness and perfection. I know some of you are starting to break into a cold sweat right now, just at the thought of what that would look like on that screen. And that's just the things we've done. Then there's the things that we haven't done, the things that we should have done that we didn't do. And God knows that every one of us are in deficit. He knows that every one of us have sinned and fallen short. And He knows religion tells you that the way out of that is if you can just maybe offset the bad with some good. You're, you're, we're in so much deficit that we, if we just do one, we'll, we'll try and climb our way up to God. If I give some money, if I do some good deeds, if I, if I say this many prayers, if I visit this many, if I door knock this many, if, if I stop doing this, if I stop doing that, maybe I'll be good enough. But God knew that none of us have that capacity in ourselves to be good enough. So instead of us trying to climb to heaven, which is what religion's all about, Jesus said, don't worry about climbing. I'm coming down. I'm going to come down to your level. I'm going to come and I'm going to live a perfect life. And then I'll not just live a perfect life, but I'll give myself as the perfect sacrifice. We sing these songs. And it's called the Lamb, the Lamb of God. Jesus was pointed out by someone, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The Lamb was sacrificial. They were, they were killed as a sacrifice to cover sin and Jesus was the ultimate Lamb. He came to save us from our sins. You can't be good enough to cover your sin. I can't be good enough. I just got to admit I'm a sinner. I don't want that movie shown. And I want to accept that when Jesus shed his blood, when he was tortured on that cross, the reason he had myrrh as a gift was one day he would die and I'd be covered. My sin would be covered. The third reason he came is this. I love this. So we could be transformed. So we could be transformed from the inside out. My wife recently has become a butterfly lover. She went to a butterfly farm. A butterfly farm. 
And she, and she came home all excited about there's certain plants that butterflies uh, will become cocoons or lay eggs. Okay, I'm with you so far. Lay eggs. And then they have this little cocoon and they crystallize. It's only on certain plants and they devour the plant. We used to think that they were devouring our lemon and lime trees and they were, they were pests, but it's actually these little caterpillars wanting to have baby butterfly. Anyway, just stay with me. And, so we, and then she, that, that thing goes from being a... And we saw one. We just, it's like this awkward, black, spiky, terrible, little ugly caterpillar. And then suddenly it lays an egg and it's, in this, it's crystallizing and it goes through this process called metamorphosis. It literally changes from one thing to another thing. It's not a caterpillar trying hard to fly. It's not a caterpillar going, oh, if I try really hard. Yeah. It just gets in this cocoon and in the process of time, it metamorphosizes. And that word in the Greek is transformation. It becomes a brand new creature. The Bible says this, that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And so many people come and they look at church and they look at, they look at all these really nice looking people who we think could never have done anything wrong. If only you knew. And so often we go, I couldn't be that good. I couldn't give up this stuff. I couldn't, I couldn't measure up. I've tried to turn over a new leaf every year for the last five years and it didn't work. I, I just can't. And maybe it's because something's got a hold of you. Maybe you're trying to stop being self-focused and think about others or you're trying to stop being angry and be peaceful. You stop, stop trying to be fearful and anxious. You tried to, you tried to change and you're thinking, well, church is just something that I add to my life and I, I couldn't measure up. This is going to be more hard work. But here's the thing of why Jesus came to be with us. Church isn't what you need. Church is the cocoon. Church is a series of moments and relationships and a family that create individual moments where God himself cannot try and make you better. He makes you brand new. Jesus said, if you want to see heaven, if you want to live life the way I've intended you to live, you need to be born again recreated and brand new. The greatest joy of my life as a pastor in this church is in the moment we're about to happen, where every week in every service, if I was to do one thing, it would be this one thing. Where I just invite people to respond to the most incredible gift that God has given us, His Son, Jesus. Forgiveness, salvation, and that you can become a brand new person. And we're going to do that in just a moment. We do it in every service, every week. People in a service just like this will put their hand up and say, John, I want to change. Because if you don't want to change, don't worry about putting your hand up. But I want to change. Maybe it's because you're anxious. And something has got to become different about you. Maybe it's because you just struggle with guilt. And Jesus can give you the perfect gift for Christmas. It's a clean conscience. His blood can cleanse you. Maybe you just got no real sense of purpose. 
You're just going around and around in circles in life, living from Monday to Friday, living for good times, but they don't really satisfy you. Jesus can tell you and show you what you've been put on this planet for. Whatever it might be, maybe it's anger, maybe it's, there's all sorts of reasons and you're like, you know what, I've tried a few things and I've just, I need to change. Maybe there's just something missing. You know you're born for something more and you can sense it when you get to church and here's what I want to happen. I don't want you just to say, I went to church and it seemed like there was something different there because God was there. I want Jesus to become your Emmanuel, God with you where He comes and lives in your heart. He comes and changes you from the inside out and makes you brand new. Can we close our eyes in this moment? Father, I thank You tonight for Your love, for Your presence, for the most incredible gift of Jesus Christ. We're so grateful for You. We can scarcely comprehend what it is You've done for us out of Your love. But I'm asking tonight, Lord, I know there are people in this room and tonight's the night they're gonna pray a prayer and everything's gonna change. Tonight's the night that they're gonna be transformed from the inside out, become brand new. And I pray for courage for them in this moment. While we've all got our eyes closed, this is what I wanna do like we do every week. I'm gonna ask you in a moment, if you're saying, John, I would like to begin a relationship with God. I'm gonna ask you in a moment, just where you are while eyes are closed to raise your hand up. And just say, yeah, that's me. I do. I want a relationship with God. Then what I'm going to do, I'll just say, hey, that's awesome. Put your, you can put your hand down. Just put it up for a few seconds and put it down. Then what I'm going to get us to do all together, I'm going to lead us into prayer. I'll say a few words. Everyone in the room will say them back. And this prayer is a prayer of asking for forgiveness. It's asking for God to come into your life. It's asking for Him to help you, to be your guide, your Lord. And when you pray that prayer, if you mean it with your heart, you receive Christ, everything will change. Because you're created for a relationship with God. You're created to connect with God. And until that moment happens, you will be unfulfilled. You won't have the true sense of peace that God wants you to have. And you won't be living for the purpose that He created you for because it all comes out of a relationship with Him. Maybe there's been a moment in your life where you prayed a prayer like this. Maybe you went to kids' church, Sunday school, church, youth group, but you know you've drifted away from God and you're not close to Him now. And tonight you know in your heart that it's time to get back right with God. In a moment, I want you also to put your hand up and say, I want to get back right with God. 2020 is going to be a different year for you because you're putting God first again in your life. Or maybe you're just not sure if when you die you're going to go to heaven. You hope you are, but in your heart, you're not sure that you are. Well, I'd love to pray for you and include you in this prayer so that you can be confident you're going to heaven. So right across this room, I'm gonna count to three. And after I count to three, if you're saying, that's me, I wanna begin a relationship with God. I want Him to transform me. I want Him to change me. I wanna come back to God because I'm away from Him. Or I wanna be sure I'm going to heaven. I want you to raise your hand. One, it's gonna take courage. Two, three. Would you just put your hand up right now? Thanks, man, I see your hand. Thanks, mate, I see your hand. Thanks down the front, I see your hand. Also, fantastic, over here, up the back, I see your hand. Who else right now? Up the back here, awesome, I see your hand. Who else right now? Would you just raise it up? You can put it down now, those of you who have put it up, fantastic. Who else would you raise your hand if you're saying, John, tonight I wanna get right with God, thanks. See your hand in there. Who else would you just raise it up real high? Fantastic, over here, I see your 
hand. Who else right now? Just while eyes are closed, this is your moment with God. Everything's gonna change if you'll take this step towards Him tonight. It will take some courage. Do you have to understand everything? No, not so much because this is a heart decision. This is a decision of beginning a relationship with God. Your mind will usually catch up with what your heart decides rather than the other way around. I'm wondering, I'm gonna wait just a few more minutes because I feel like there's someone else. You haven't raised your hand yet. This, this thought's been going around in your mind for a while. There's got to be more to life than this. Tonight's the night for you where you step into that relationship with God that will change everything. So I'm going to wait just another 10 seconds. And if you haven't raised your hand yet, I want to include you in this prayer. Would you raise it up real high? So that's me as well. Thank you. I see your hand over the side. Who else? Up the back. Thank you. I see your hand. Who else right now? Raise it up real high. Thank you. I see your hand. Who else right now? Would you raise it up real high? So that's me as well. I want to be sure. Fantastic. Thank you. I see your hand. So good. So good. So good. I'm wondering if there's one last person because I, I know often we can just dig our heels in a bit, but God wants to draw us to Himself. Raise your hand. Thank you. That's awesome. Is there, is there one more? You know because your heart's pounding. Your heart's pounding because God's speaking to you. He speaks to you. He says, if you hear me knocking, I'll come in and live with you. But you have to open the door. He won't barge in. There's a beautiful sense of God's presence in this room right now. One last look across the room. If you haven't raised it yet, but you know you should, would you raise your hand with me right now and say, that's me as well. Fantastic. I want us to pray this prayer together. If you raised your hand, I want you to pray this from your heart. We're all gonna pray it together. Say these words after me. Say them to God. Say, dear God in heaven, I thank you that you love me, that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me, for my sin. I'm sorry. I'm turning to you today to live your way. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, with your peace, with your purpose. I thank you tonight that I'm born again, that I'm cleansed of my sin, that I'm going to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Father, for every person who's responded to you tonight and to your love, to the message of Jesus, let this be the first step of many steps walking with you. Protect them, help them understand all that you want to be for them. Lord, for those who are in this room tonight, and this has been their first step to just be in church, I pray that you'll begin to speak to them that you'll keep answering their questions. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I'm going to invite Danielle on up here. Come on up, babe. Fabulous. So so Can good. we put our hands together for that awesome message? Thank you. Thank you. I love it. I had a little thought. Yes. You know how um, Jesse and Amy talked about a four-week challenge? Yeah. Wouldn't that be? Maybe this is your first time in church for a long time. Why don't you take up a four-week challenge? Just Good. come, come we, we're here, 8.15, Yes, 10 a.m., 6 p.m. every week. So just be our guest yes, and come and come explore back. Christianity. Thanks, Fabulous. Babe. Thank you so much. What a great message, Emmanuel. God is with us.